On today's show, we're continuing our process party series. We're taking you through our proposals and how we convert leads to new client projects. Rebecca talks us through the systems that she uses to automate proposals, contracts, and collecting retainers. And Sean shares his proposal process and how he wants to get a little better. Grab a pen and paper for this episode because we're getting into the nitty gritty. Let's go. Rebecca of Studio Plum. And I'm Sean of Renstead Interiors. We're interior designers. Turned internet friends. Turned real life friends. Welcome to the Hot Young Designers Club podcast. We're not that hot. Or that young. Every week, we'll be spilling the tea on how a new generation of interior designers can run their businesses. Welcome Welcome to to the the club. club. Hi, Sean. What's up, Rebecca? I am excited to get back and have a little party. We have um, stopped our process parties for a little bit. We've had a lot of other cool things coming along, but it's good to like trickle out steps. So there's time for listeners to reflect on it or try new things. Yeah. And I think this one is one that at least speaking for myself, I always want to be improving on. So This is going to be probably like a working sesh. (laughs) So that's the real, real for all of you listening is that when Rebecca or I don't love an episode idea, it's usually because we're not in the same place as one another on how Mm -hmm. we feel about an idea or if we even want to talk about it yet. And I think this episode idea came up at least several months ago. I like mean, at it's least... the <laughs> biggest tool for our companies to make money, right? Like you can't just yes. close a client without a good proposal. So it's right. pretty key. Yes. And the fact is that I don't know that we are, as business owners, ever going to be in a place where you completely love the process or you completely love everything you're doing about it. So this may not be the everyone try it our way episode. This may be the uh, hear what we love, what we hate, what what we are happy with, what we want to change. And then you can kind of learn from some of our mistakes. Yeah. And I also should say that I have a problem possibly with... Um... I'm going to just call it ABI, (laughs) always be improving. Like, I feel like (laughs) I always want to improve certain things. Um, And it's a little grass is always greener of me to feel that way. It's a little Enneagram seven. I just always can see things that I can, I don't know, make better. So totally. And my proposal is fine. Like it works. People sign them so (laughs) (laughs) well okay that's one sign of success one measurement of success yeah it's an internal problem for sure so yeah this will be yeah it'll be a good exploration today but we we should always start with our celebrations and our wallowings our fizzle and sizzle of the week do you want to go first fizzle 
I guess I'm feeling more fizz than sizz this week. Um, I'm in Northern California and the fires have just been Mm -hmm. awful. Um, I mean, I just feel for everybody who's been evacuated and who's lost homes and are in danger. And in, in Sacramento, we're surrounded by them. So right. just the smoke and air quality is really a bummer, especially when we're supposed to be doing more things outside. <laughs> like California, pick a struggle like that. You got to do one. You can't be struggling at everything right now. Like, Kind of feel like that's what's happening though, but it's okay. I'm moving, I'm moving on with my new attitude. Um, I got a new attitude. Yeah. <laughs> <Looking to Pointer Sisters. laughs> <Exactly>. So my sizzle. Oh, and then part of my fizzle too is I was supposed to have this sale of vintage rugs with, um, a vendor that I've worked with or bought from at market and he was coming through Sacramento with a truck full of vintage Turkish rugs and we were going to have an amazing sale and I had to reschedule or postpone it because smoke is not good for rugs or breathing people. (laughs) Yeah. So I'm really sad about that, but on the fizzly or sizzly side, I've been still improving my office because these are the things I can control. Um, I ordered new window treatments that came. So we have some pretty linen Roman shades that used to be 60 year old kind of grandma drapes that were getting very crunchy, right? shreddy they were getting yeah. like ghost <laughs> like the shears were like literally shredding like freddy krueger mrs haversham's yeah <laughs> it's very Mrs. haversham and not in a chic way so now those are done and i was having actually a meeting with a client for like a little virtual console and she wanted help with her office because she's you know work from home status so we were kind of focusing on what her zoom background looked like and then I just started realizing like oh my god who am I to give advice my situation (laughs) is so embarrassing so I spent yesterday zooming it up it looks really cute yeah it it's so much more um appealing to have behind you like it's not distracting and for listeners we we pod using zoom so we're seeing each other's backgrounds all the time and there i i admit like even mine has been lackluster for a while but i'm working on that um and then rebecca like i think we just get into office mode and we're working like we don't have time for that right and you just kind of like get in tunnel vision or in this case like just like my face i was just like worried about my face to the camera but now like oh wait there's like a situation going on back there yeah so yeah now it feels like a cute little set like a little studio for studio plum you see (laughs) look at that it's it's good to have something like that just as we're realizing that this is probably going to go on for a while and even if it at some point starts to change like you're still going to need a space where things look good 
behind you. And I'm still anticipating that clients are going to get used to being able to do like a quick Zoom recording that I can send them things and do a share screen. And I want it to look professional behind me. I don't, I don't want it to continue to be the, this is my spare bedroom that I'm sitting in, or this is the forgotten corner. Like I want to, I want it to speak well of who I am and what I can do. Yeah. And like, never mind what's going on around this area. All we need to focus on is this like four foot span. Yeah. And the rest is like a literal disaster shit show. That's your new stage. Like we have to start thinking about that. Like, do we have a little set in all of our homes mm-hmm. for the kids to sit in front of or for you to sit in front of? Like, that's going to be a normal for a long time. And you didn't even, you like had all that stuff, didn't you? Well, I mean, I did it in like two minutes. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the thing. Like, don't go out and get crazy with it, but pull together some of the nice stuff you've got make it work, you know, rob from Peter to pay Paul. So if it had to leave your living room or another cute space in your house, put it, put it in your Zoom background so you look like you got your shit together. Yeah, because we're supposed to be <laughs> selling this kind of experience for others. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah, because we could always pretend, as a lot of designers, they don't, their home is not like the picture of perfection, but we, now we have to continue to show that like we have our act together. So I'm glad you did it. It looks good. Yeah, I feel happy. And you, in, we'll put it in the show notes, but you did a reel on Instagram that shows you kind of putting it together. So we'll have to put that in the notes so everyone can go take a look at it. Yeah, I'm trying to like get my reel on. I will get it's there. Learn- That's a it's whole a other curve. experiment. Yeah. Really, if you have the concept in mind, it's a lot. It's pretty easy. Um, it's just like thinking through the story of the reel, I think, to make them good. Yeah, so now I have to be a videographer on top of being a designer. So really cool. There you go. Um, (laughs) So in my week's fizzle and sizzle, the fizzle of the week is that after three months, at the end of this week, my dad is going to be going home to his house in Arizona. And... I know that should sound exciting and and don't get me wrong like I am excited to have my household back and to not be worrying about the care of another adult like a dependent in my household. However, my dad still has some realistic um health concerns. I don't know if I I don't know how much I shared in past episodes, but my dad has a little bit. Yeah, my dad had had several small strokes and he had some heart valve failure. So he has since had a stent put in and a new heart valve put in. And he has done amazingly over the course of 12 weeks worth of time to come really far. But he still has a lot of physical limitations. He has some short-term memory limitations. But his doctors say if he wants to go home, and be on his own, he can. Like, he's capable of that, and that's what he wants. So I have some worries, like, and I think I would have those almost like a parent with children of, like, oh, you're an adult and you're going off on your own, but I'm still worried about you. Sure. I mean, he's been doing great in your home and in your care and supervision, so it's just <laughs> kind of like letting the birdie fly uh-huh. the nest and hope. Like, let's 
see what kind of food you eat when you're on your own and if it's healthy and if you eat enough and if you get physical activity because it's like 117 where he lives in Arizona today. So like, yeah, probably not going to be taking a lot of walks, which you need to keep doing for any person, let alone someone who has heart health and, you know, needs physical therapy type of behaviors. So it's a little bit of a fizzle on that because I, I'm hoping that he keeps up. The good news is he will be back in about three weeks for a doctor's follow-up visit. But he, So this is like a three-week vacation almost to his own house where he gets to see how he does and then he's going to bring himself. He'll, he can drive, like drive himself back and in three weeks come back for his next follow-up doctor's appointment and we'll just see how it's going from there. I don't think he's going to tell me the truth, but at least we'll be able to see the truth. In be able to monitor his health, yeah. Yeah, so that's on the fizzle side. On the sizzle side, have you watched The Great on Hulu yet? It's one of their originals. You know, I watched a few episodes and then I kind of dropped off of it for some reason. I don't remember. I have been I couldn't tell if I liked for it. it. <laughs> I just think it's... So for those of for those of you listening who haven't like seen the trailer, I believe it had some Emmy nominations. I oh, don't it? quote me on that, but I think it did. And it has um, so it stars Elle Fanning, um, so Dakota Fanning's younger sister, mm-hmm. and it also has Nicholas Holt, who was um, I remember him most as playing the younger Beast character in the X-Men movies like when they rebooted like a younger cast of no, it. Oh, I know. He was the about a boy kid. That's what started throwing me off. Is him? He yes. play, he plays he plays Peter the Great of yeah. Russia and L Fanning is playing Catherine the Great. Okay, remember actually... about a boy the movie with Hugh Grant? Did you ever yeah. see it? Yeah. And the the awkward kid with a messed up haircut. Yeah. That's him. So so you're flashing back to that when you're watching him in this role? Or not Peter the Great, just like Peter the Third, I think, is yeah, he his father great. was Peter the Great. Yeah. Yeah. So um, <laughs> Yeah, it's throwing me off too much. This is not this is not like a um this is not like an along the lines of Emma, like a period drama at all. This is like if if Marie Antoinette with Kirsten Dunst meets Mm -hmm. like a satire of like I don't even know what level. Like it's It's period, but satirical. Yeah, it's like tongue. The tagline the tagline is a mostly true story or a mostly true tale or isn't there like modern music? Yeah, more modern music and... But the costuming's really beautiful and more, like, period. Definitely. And you're watching, like, the ridiculousness of, like, court behaviors, which, as I'm watching, I'm Googling things. I'm like, oh, this is this part is real. Like, this stuff was happening. <laughs> I do that, too. And then, and then you keep... And you're like, did that actually happen? And then you read, you know, I'm Googling it. And I'm like, oh, well, that didn't really happen. Which is the or writers having like a rumored. good time. Or it's like Yeah. Exactly. But that's why I'm having fun watching it. Because I'm like, this is ridiculous. Oh. 
this is it's also a bear, true. Like, like a pet bear, like that was that real. was a thing. Yeah, that was a real that a real thing. Pet sense. bears. Um, so so for those of you who aren't normally into like history or period documentaries, <laughs> and you don't, times. and you don't like like Downton Abbey, you want it to be funnier and lighter with like a better soundtrack. This is for you. It's called The Great, and it's on Hulu. And I've really liked watching it because it's not very serious. It's meant to give you laughs. It's meant to be a little ridiculous. And I think the cast is really good. Yeah, they're good. Okay, I'll go back to it. I think I got to, like, episode three or four. Yeah, I'm having fun. And that's after each episode, I'm like, I want to know what happens next. I want to know what happens next. So that's what's keeping me going is I want to I'm starting to invest a little bit in the characters and in their growth so I want to see what happens and I could just read a history book but I want to see what they do exactly (laughs) (laughs) exactly so that's a fun one that's my sizzle is I've been having fun watching that want to jump into to the the big parts of this episode and process party part three process party Process party. All right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get the party started. Okay. So I don't think we intentionally did that, but it is it this episode title is pretty much a mouthful. It's process party part three proposals oh no (laughs) that's like alliteration gone too far (laughs) um okay should should i start or do you want to start you start i feel like all right i need your guidance today okay okay so let's start with what proposals look like right now and for me my current proposal process is I have a template. I think I built it. Yeah, I built it in InDesign, which is just, that's like my default program. I like working in it. It's easy for me to navigate and I've used it for a long time. So sometimes it's fast for me to put this together, but. But it's probably not I, for everybody. Like, don't feel like you no. need to go learn InDesign. No. Do you could do it in Canva, even Word or whatever. Yeah, you could. I mean, you could even put this together in like PowerPoint. Like not yeah. to deride PowerPoint, but literally like you could put this together and just to give a quick idea of like the layout of it, I have a cover sheet. It's pretty, it has, you know, like a, I try to make it aspirational because I like want to put a pretty room on it and I want to have like the type of project that we're planning on. So usually I'm using proposals like this for full, like full service type of projects it has my contact information, it has the client and their address and their details, and then it has sort of a cover letter that's signed by me that talks about like what we bring to projects, what we do for them, where we shine, and that this is kind of my selling point of I want to like thank them for considering me for the project, Um, And like, I look forward to working with them. And I think we're going to like basically expressing the confidence that I can help them create a beautiful and functional home. And I think that's like the sell it part of a proposal. Yes. And I think, 
having a well-designed proposal, in my opinion, is like, it's like having a beautiful invitation before a party. Like it's setting the stage yeah. and the tone of the event and what someone can expect from your work. Totally. So it, I think like part of it is like, set a good impression. It looks very professional. It's very organized and it's beautiful, which is what we do for a living. So after that letter comes the actual proposed scope of work and the project timeline. And these are my reasonable estimate. Um, the scope of work could be as narrow as a kitchen remodel. Like that could be literally like, if that's the only part I'm doing for them, or it could be as expansive as including things like consulting on flooring and updating hardware and lighting throughout the house. And, you know, like it could be broader. Um, but I like to include as many specifics as possible, um, even down to what rooms are ex purposely excluded. If there's something that will definitely not be touched, I like to mention that the scope excludes those spaces. Mm -hmm not so much to prevent them from being added, but just to make it clear that I'm not planning, those are not included in my proposal. Um, from like a time, like I'm jumping ahead, but like, do you have yeah. an estimate of hours? Yes. So, so mine- like not included in that Exactly, exactly. Cause I bill hourly. And I know this is important as like in the future, I'd love to be thinking about building, billing out flat rate but I'm not there yet with my comfort level. So my, my proposal is based off of my, my best estimate of hours that are involved in the project. Mm -hmm. And timelines are also my best estimate. So I, it's kind of arbitrary, but I usually put like a start date of assuming like, when could I start work on it? So if I'm, usually I'm about two weeks out, like even if they signed it right away, I need a couple weeks before I could even start work on it. Mm -hmm. And then we may be, we may be like four weeks out from when they could expect to see first concepts, for example, like that's, I try to just give my best estimate of when work would begin and then when they would expect to start seeing things. So then I break my timeline estimate into the four phases of a project. And I, when I present it to the clients, I let them know that these are estimate phases. This is based on sort of like the perfect scenario because I try to reinforce that I don't know when everything will be available. I don't know when your contractor is gonna be available, but at least this tells them how long they could expect my design work to spend in each phase so they can get a rough idea of like when things will come together. Does that make sense? Just from a schedule standpoint. So the first phase is programming and that's usually just like how long I need to start figure everything out. Like I need about two weeks probably for most projects to like get all the measurements and get all of my like onboarding questionnaires and original meeting notes and just like like gather everything and start thinking about the project problems and all of that stuff is in like phase one programming for me. Mm -hmm. But the bigger the project is, the more time that's going to take me to get all of the details together. And then phase 
two of a project timeline is schematics. So for me, that's coming up with the game plan, sketches, swatches, renders, like all the like stuff that clients probably think of, which is all like the client facing things and presentations and all of that. And that obviously depends on project scope and scale of like how long that's going to take to put together. So that's kind of all the stuff before a contractor's even involved if it's a construction or that's all the stuff that's involved before I can even start placing orders if it's like a furnishing job. Yeah. And I, I think we talked about in a past process party episode, like I pad my timelines a little bit. So I like it if there's extra time built in for worst case scenarios. Um, then, then that way I can also pleasantly surprise them if I don't need that much time to pull stuff together. And then third phase for me that's built into sort of the timeline estimate is procurement and delivery. So this is like shopping and shipping. Like how long is all of that going to take for a project? Um, and then I provide an estimate for the fourth phase, which is project management. So that would be like, okay, sh like shit's going down at the actual site. Like is new lighting going in electrical, like the remodeling phase of things, um, installation. So for me, I, I mean, that's kind of really ambiguous for some projects because I have an idea for how long I think a project is going to take, but that doesn't mean it's actually going to take that long. Like that's, this is sort of my optimistic approach of like, I think if it were a kitchen or a bathroom remodel that it may take, uh, I don't know, 12 to 16 weeks or something. And then it just depends on how much is involved. So you just, again, I don't think I'm shooting in the dark when I do it. I'm basing these estimates off of past projects, what I've learned from other designers, my in, like my internship. And sometimes I'll ask other designers, how long do you think I should plan for this? And just get their thoughts too. And that just takes me time. I will say my proposals keep getting more and more accurate as time goes on, which may be a result of better numbers up front or better accountability and knowledge of my part of knowing how long something's going to take me. Right. But you always have like the unknown of like the client and their decision-making. And if they want you to like go back mm -hmm. to the drawing board a few times or try to find a more unique lamp or whatever. And I kind of tell them that it's not written in the proposal, but I do tell them that like, this is based on, you trusting the process, being honest with me, sharing feedback quickly, not shopping around and looking around and then asking me to go back and revise something or bringing me something new. So it is kind of about setting some ground rules and expectations because if they know how they're going to be, they know this number will be higher. So it's a little bit easier to navigate it that way. Yeah, because if you have a, like, I know you've had clients that are a little bit more analytical, we'll say. Uh -huh. <laughs> they mm -hmm. want to mm -hmm. see every option just to make sure they're ruling out every scenario. Right. Is, but It's like the FOMO of going through design of like, yeah. well, is what you showed us the best thing? And it's like, well, you're not paying me to show you my whole thought process. You're paying me to bring you 
the best option or options. But they kind of do want to pay you to see the whole thought process. Like they end up paying you basically to see the they whole do. explanation. They do. And then they end up at your original thing. But Idea anyway. On them, yeah. Well, especially if it's hourly. Like I'm, I'm not so pressed for time that I'm worried about, okay, you want to see a couple more? Okay, fine. You're just going to be paying me that. And then when they see the invoice, they're like, okay, let's make, usually what I find is that might start in projects that way, but then over time they start making even faster decisions because they start to realize like, oh, he spent another hour finding two other sconce options for us. And now we could have used that money from, instead of paying him for that, we could have got an upgraded sconce. Right. And that, yeah, that especially comes down when people are trying to find a better price or a deal and it's like well yeah doesn't make sense no it doesn't make sense to pay me to find you the better price because you're gonna be losing that better price on paying me to do it by a lot (laughs) but use my time to help you on custom designing your kitchen cabinets because you really can't afford to f those up like i i don't want to mess those up i want them to be perfect they're built in and they cost a lot of money so let's spend it there instead of on a light fixture that you could change yourself in five years. Like, right. let's get through the process if we need to. Um, okay, so that's the timeline portion of my proposal. And then I go into like fees and pricing, which is here's how many hours I think this project is going to take. And this is how, this is like my hourly rate for those hours. And it shows them like that number. And I think that I've done it a couple ways. I've done it where I just group group it all together and just show the number. And then some clients don't understand what's in that number. So recently, like in the last year, I've been breaking it down to show them how some of those hours are used. And so what I think is important about that is it adds up really fast when you show a client like even if it's just a 12-week project if you show them what a one-hour site visit looks like for 12 weeks in the breakdown of where their hours go I I mean I I it can't I I don't know what I'm trying to say you can't plan for everything but you can show them where a lot of the time gets spent during the process. And I think if you break down those bigger chunks, a lot of people start to understand where did those total hours come from? So if you told them a whole right. home so if remodel. You say, like, this is going to be a hundred hours and like, whoa, 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 a hundred hours. But you're like 12 site visits is you want me on site every week to check progress. Don't you? Well, there's 12 to 15 hours. Right. And that's, yeah, that's just like, if you do it at the low end of an hour every week. And, but in reality, like project management is not just the one hour site visit. It's the other phone calls, text messages, emails, whatever that happens during the course of a project. And then last minute, you know, oh, wait, this is going on here today. What did you want to do with that calls from the contractor? Like those happen all the time. So you have to have room in your schedule to be able to accommodate that. And I think that's where, for me, it made more sense to show them, yes, there's the big total hourly. And then here are some of the things that I'm estimating as part of that, like sourcing and presentations, mood boards, revisions, 
And I think presentations is a big one. Like if you're going to be presenting several rooms to a client, you're going to need several hours to do that, depending on the scale of that room. So if you figure, oh, an hour per room just for one presentation, that's a fast presentation. Like be, pad those hours is what I could say about that. Yeah, be more conservative. Right. And I, and I tell that to clients. I'm like, if it ends up taking less, great. Then you have the hours that are still part of it. But I've never had a project use fewer hours than I estimated in my proposal. And it's not, be, it's not because I can't estimate properly. It's because stuff inevitably gets added into the project scope and I agree to it. And so there's more hours involved. Right or things happen or pop up or, yeah. Yeah. You, I don't think you still use Ivy. You used to use Ivy, but in Ivy, when I first joined that a couple of years ago, there was a project estimating sheet that a couple designers had uploaded into the documents for the private Facebook group for Ivy users. And it had a good place to start for projects of like how many hours for like a small, medium, large kitchen and a small, medium, large bedroom. Mm. And, a, you know, like it just kind of had some general numbers to throw out there. And those were really helpful when I first started. I will say that I find that all of those numbers are really low. Um, so I've since like upped from those in my like tracking when I prepare proposals. Yeah, and it's all going to be based on your own involvement typically in projects and yeah like what your clients can count on you for exactly and I think that's where it's important to know like am I on the hook for calls from contractors do I need to build that in am I if you have custom things in your project add add way more time <laughs> like I honestly would want to say like Time to pick a prefab vanity. Like if you think you could get one picked in 30 minutes, let's say it's 30 minutes. You could source a prefabricated assembled vanity in 30 minutes for a bathroom project. If it's custom, honestly, six hours might not even cover it. <laughs> to, draw, like, to do all the drawings? Like draw it, shop, plan it, like the back and forth related to that vanity of like all the components of it. How involved is the design? Is it a special wood? Is it a special paint color? Being there. See, but like, that's, but that's again, like what your involvement want, like what you want to do as part of your scope. Right. Like where I would probably want to just find a good trade person or cabinet maker to rely right. on for, like say I want, like I need a, a six foot wide double vanity. I'm taking my influence from this here. You guys do the rest. Yeah. Like I'll do an elevation and some yeah. like inspiration photos, but then I'd want to talk it through and like you make this work. And that's totally fair too. So then for you, it might not take it would be less six hours. hours. It time. could take two to three, for example. It's, a me it's meetings with the, yeah, yep. the vendor. And... and so that's where over time, I don't, I, I would say, I don't think, you can plan for everything, but you're, I'm trying to keep it as efficient as possible for clients. And realistic. Yeah, just like realistic numbers. And I think it's good that they see a total number of hours and how they're going to fit in. And 
then after that, that there's a page for terms and acceptance. So, you know, but that's a little bit different because that's more kind of contractual stuff because this is not my actual contract yet. This is them just basically saying, we agree to this and we, this looks good. And that's basically a PDF that they're signing or how do you? Yeah. Yeah. So I send this to them in PDF or I used to, I was also sending it so it could be signed in DocuSign. Um, and it had like the cover page, the letter from me, the scope of work description and the timeline with the phases, the pricing, and then their acceptance page. So that was like five pages. That's a lot. Mm. <laughs> mine, I can't tell how many pages mine are. Mine's probably more pages actually. I can hear you scrolling that. through it, my goodness. How well, many pages I'll, is that, jeepers? I'll tell you why. Um, I, these are some of the things I want to change about it, actually. Okay. No, so, start with what you're doing right now. Like, what, so what I'm doing like? right now, I use Dipsado, which I think I'm pretty sure we've talked about several times, but it is a CRM, um, lead management system, but it's really great with proposals and contracts because it has the ability to get signatures from the client within it. Mm -hmm. So my template has, yeah, it starts with a pretty photo and a room photo and then a um, little letter for me. I then have an expiration on it. Right now they're set for six weeks. That's fair. That's also built into Dubsado. So after six weeks, they actually can't get back into it, which is nice. Okay. Um, it's good for managing your time, like knowing that if you took on other projects during those six weeks, if you need to reassess something that's in that proposal, you have, you can do that. Yeah. Or if my process changes or whatever, which is always more likely, likely. much more likely. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I might make it two weeks. Um, it's also trying to like, okay, don't like just sit on this forever. Right. A sense of urgency. Um, then I have a process overview, which is similar to what you were saying with your schedule, but it goes through the phases. Um, this is really just like more of an explanation section. So I have it, it I think it's too confusing. So this is also something I want to simplify, but first, well, it's like a pre-phase is project inquiry, which is like starts with a consultation and step two is um, the agreement, which is where they are right now. Um, and then they'll, once they sign this, this proposal, they're in phase one, which mine is research, design, and presentation. Mm -hmm. And that's when I developed a design plan. Um, well, kick off with measurements before photos, whatever. Then I create the actual design plan, floor plans, elevations, <clears throat> then a pre presentation, then refinements. And this is right, how I have it structured right now is all my proposals are just ending at phase one. So that's all I'm estimating for. Okay. 
um, which is basically where we're at. So I can kind of do a good estimate of to presentation. Okay. Anything after that, I don't know at this point how long things are going to take. So, okay. and I don't even know like what this, I'm going to propose. Like your, but, but presentation for you means not just a concept for a room, but an actual like recommended presentation of furnishings and accessories and things mm -hmm. for that room. And then yes. assuming they approve everything, what you don't have estimated is pure procurement, delivery, installation, all of those hours are not built into that. Correct. Okay. Um, and any construction, like, am I going to propose, I don't know, redoing the fireplace or something custom with built-ins or drape? Like, I don't know any of that before I estimate. So that's all kind of going to be delivered in phase two at that start of phase two. Okay. After presentation. So it's like, Basically, I'm presenting what I'm going to propose. So do you go back and do another proposal at phase two with hours? Um, or do you just, do clients just roll with it? I don't do another proposal, but I do, well, I, I do actually, because it goes, my proposals are now in, I've been using my DOMA, like, which is similar to Ivy. So the proposals are in there. So it's like the furnishings proposal. Okay. Um, if there was a third party vendor involved, their their proposals or their... Um, oh, I see. Like for individual things, but not necessarily design fees. Not necessarily my time, time, no. Okay. And then that's a good clarification. Because mine is just the design time, but not the products themselves. Yeah that I'm proposing, it's, this is really just like my, I want you to be my client. Here's what I think my design fees will be as part of your project. Yeah, and I could probably start adding some estimates on it or maybe even um, a similar projects I've done in the past were about these many hours for procurement and installation. Yeah. Um, and so phase two is order placement, procurement, any construction or renovations. And then I create a styling plan while all of that's happening. So now we kind of know what is needed for the styling layer. Okay. Um, which again, like I don't know how much stuff and art and all those things until like we know what the plan is and what furniture they're buying. Right. Um, so phase three then would be the actual install, the furniture delivery, and my styling time, and the client reveal, and then project closure, where final invoices are issued, any additional documentation is provided. So that almost I, sounds like it's all process. It's explaining what almost like what to expect. So yes, I think it's good like that it's in proposal. Overview. Yeah, it's good that it's there because it's a reminder. I include that in my client guide or my investment guide mm -hmm. before, like before I've even gone into their home. Usually it's after discovery call with them. I share yeah, that with them. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking that I want to make this more of a link to a different document. Um, 
that they can be reminded or like Dubsado has this really nice portal so I can load up a bunch of documents in the portal. Yeah. So they can have that. Yeah. They see that before they get this, but then they, it links them or reminds them that this is where they can find that information. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cause I think I can make it prettier. It's just like basically a, um, like a checklist almost. Well, even worse, it's like a spreadsheet. Bullet list. Okay. So make it pretty and more engaging, maybe. Yeah. But you but generally I like the idea that it conveys everything that's going into those steps because mine isn't that deliberate. And maybe that's because it's in my investment guide. But I like the idea of referring them back to Mm-hmm. this is literally all the stuff I'm about to do for you. Like, we're not just calling it the programming phase. What am I actually doing? It's all this kind of stuff. And this is what you're paying my hourly for. Right. Do you and let then, them pick and choose? Mm, what do you mean? Like, like can, they, can they go back and try to a la carte that, like, after you submit it to them? Can they say, oh, take this stuff out, take this stuff out, and we'll just have you do these things? Or is it, like, an all or no, nothing? No, it's more of, um, like, I have a client right now that I'm doing all the steps. I'm placing orders, but then we're just going to stop. Like, basi- basically, I'm not doing their whole room. I gave them a design plan for their whole room as part of it. So they could kind of see like what a full design would look like, but they're probably only going to buy the custom sofas. Okay. Maybe one other thing that they feel like they can't do themselves. And so my install will be just like overseeing delivery of that. And then I'm out. Okay. So it has a limited scope to it. Yeah, it's more like we're just stopping it early and they understand that they're not going to get not, the full... It's not a full room. It's not a it's fully not finished room. Fully finished, yeah. Okay. But that's like meeting people where they are. And I think that's what's good about the proposal is that if you're willing to be flexible with the scope and the scale that the client wants, you can clearly identify, here's where my work is done. Yeah, and for this particular client, it feels worthwhile because they're going to ultimately order two custom sofas and two chairs from me, leather chairs from me. So I still get some um, revenue from selling some good pieces of furniture and they'll still get a better price from me. So it feels win-win. Those are the big pieces that they were worried about getting right. And um, yeah, I mean, I won't be able to photograph it or anything, but it felt okay. And I think that's part of it is if, I don't know. It's almost like a like, upscale, not an upscale. It's almost like if I did this again, like maybe I would frame it as a um, e-design plus, <laughs> you know, like. That's what I was saying. It's like levels of, well, this isn't e-design. I'm actually going to help you get some stuff, but maybe it's like breaking up am I getting you the essential things for the room? Like the big pieces? Are we getting like the next level, the next level? It's, it obviously graduates all the way up to like the finishing, the finishing details to me would be art and accessories. Totally. And that's what makes the room in a lot of ways, but. um, Right. And this client has pretty good taste. Like she's going to be able to pull it together. I think I, 
Yeah, I just think people want help when it comes when they're making decisions with usually it's big upholstery pieces, I find. Yeah. Because it's kind of scary. Um and that's got like a healthy profit for me, so it feels still worthwhile. But those are the kind of pro- like I'm in this like analyzing phase of my business where I am really deciding what kind of projects I'm going to take. Totally. So from there, this is where I think it's confusing the way it looks, but so I have it broken down into the, really it's four phases because the project inquiry is like a pre-phase, but then I expand the phase one detail. So what it really means for the step three kickoff, what does the design phase or step look like? What does presentation step look like? Um, what do the refinements look like? You get one round of refinements. You get. Um, Ooh, I like that word instead of revisions. Refinements. Mm-hmm. So it's not like endless. So there's some scope to it. And that is always the same. Like I don't edit that area. But then I customize their scope of work, which is similar to what you're saying. So exactly what we're working on. We're working on the dining room, the living room. I'll do floor plans, select paint, select a new light fixture. Like I know from the consultation what exactly they want. Not included 3D renderings, not doing CAD drawings, um, but they're available upon request. Um, there's a, and then there's a few caveats about like what I do for sourcing, why, um, what that means to source and involves like going to numerous websites and shows and understanding trends. And like, it's just like a little like. Why are you paying like the value of paying for it? Here's why this is everything that's being done related to that. Yeah. Um, And there's a lot of mystery there for clients. Yeah. What's so hard about it? Well, I have I don't just for one. Go to West a, Elm and pick a sofa. And like I think something that I want to do a better job of talking about is like you and I, like this is why it's helpful when we're helping each other with projects, is we both have a catalog of references in our brains. Yes. So sometimes I don't always have them at my fingertips. Like when I'm trying to talk to you about, remember that hot dog ottoman? <laughs> I know. I'm like, hmm, uh, say other words that explain what you're trying to tell me. But we have like, yeah, I'll try to find the hot dog ottoman. I'll put it in show notes if I can find it. I still haven't referenced it but i still think there's got to be a better way to explain what that ottoman looked like instead of hot dog ottoman i'm it's a really, tube shaped ottoman i know i think but <laughs> <laughs> but to your point it's that we have as fellow designers other references ideas we can share with one another and well, we're like run spending by each most other. of our free time looking at these like photos and references. Like, um, and that's why I people was... pay us more because we've already done a lot of this work separately. So you shouldn't just get paid the two minutes it takes me to go back to 
a private pin board and find the thing that I'm in love with. You should pay for the time it took me and the expertise it took me to do that even when I wasn't working on your project. Exactly. (laughs) So from there, this is why it's so lengthy. And this is also why I want to do some secondary documents. I have um, like document examples. So here's like kind of a photo of what my design plans look like. Here's what a floor plan looks like. Cause I've found a lot of people don't know the terminology. Oh, so you could like link to an example in mm-hmm. Dubsado. Yes. Oh, that's interesting. Of like, you could upload a set of construction documents. Yeah. And, and here's what you can expect from my design plan. Cause I kind of like layer, you know, furniture together so they can visualize it better. Oh, I think that's good to reinforce it, especially because it doesn't, like you don't want to give away everything for free, but you can show them what it looked like in the past for someone else. Yeah, the problem with the way it is right now is people are often like, is that what you want my room to look like? Because that's not my style. No, no, no. So I have to be more clear that it's just like, Example. Examples. Even though it right. says that, people don't read it. So I think if it's linked, it might make it more clear because people oh, are you could, read the link. The link would say mood board example. And but then they click on client it. examples. Good. I'm with that. Totally. Um, yeah. So I can use kind of jargony terms and then show them what that actually means because some people don't know. It's a big step to jump into, like this is a big project for a lot of people. A lot of my clients have never worked with a designer before. What about yours? Mm, Mostly not. Right. So then I think this can be scary for them of like, what am I I agreeing to? to? Like what I would call a design plan probably isn't what you would call a design plan. So like, it's also executed differently. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so then I go into, I have a like high level project timeline that I'm not really customizing it for the client, each client right now. Sometimes I take it out when I feel like I'm not ready to commit to it, but, um, (laughs) that's your rebel talking right there. I know. You can't make me pick a timeline, so I'm not even going to give you one. And you're just going to be happy with what you get final installation like eight to 12 weeks after presentation and that really just depends like are you getting custom furniture like are we waiting for upholstery to get made like yeah are we doing construction or is it just decor and furnishings I handle some of those as like one-off conversations when I'm presenting the design plan so that's kind of where my the proposals veer off from the reality of a project is like yeah you really loved like we may go through the whole plan and then when you go to propose an actual, for, like for me, it happened with, I thought this client wanted to move really quick on a bathroom project. And it turns out there really was no need to move very quickly. They just like made up a timeline in their head. And it turns out later that they were like, we're willing to wait because we want something that's really special. So then we ended up in handmade custom color tile regions, which really bumped out the timeline but 
the result is so much more fantastic. In this case, I think we only waited like four to six weeks for tile instead of like an off the shelf mm -hmm. could be bought and ordered and on site within three days yeah. type of tile. But you know, like that's important. And that's an example of where my proposal was really different in when we thought we could have the project done from the reality. Right. And you're making those decisions together. Yeah. Yeah. And just, I think partly the other reason, yes, my rabble streak doesn't like to be pinned down, but also I just feel like right now it's so hard to create timelines for things that everything is just such a moving target, like more so than it right. ever was with like furniture. And yeah. When you, when you just said that about, how long like would you say eight to 12 weeks for like until the installation of the design yeah that was pretty and that's like a really aggressive um, that's an aggressive timeline now like realistically yeah. even if you thought something was in stock it may not be by the next time you go back and we don't know when the next shipping container is going to land in the country with something else and then if you're not doing that and it's custom, how long, like lead times are just getting longer. I Yeah, like I, my upholstery, my semi-custom upholstery that I usually buy, like it used to be six to eight and then it was after like in May, they're like, uh, it's like 10 to 14 right now, like we think. And then it ended up only being 12, but then now, I don't know. It's just like, I don't even know until I get there and can talk right. to somebody of what is it today. <laughs> Correct. And I think that's just part of the design world that we have to explain to our clients is this is not about a fast paced business. This is not, you walk in, it's in stock, you grab it and you go. Like there's time, there's steps. And that's part of getting something that is uniquely you, that is unique to your home, to the way you want to live. But it takes a little bit longer to cook it that way. Well, and just Corona times, like that on the pandemic is just like, whoa. But design is not fast. I know it's not it's fast. Not. And I tell that to people like, don't pick working with a designer because you want it to be fast. Cause that's not what we do. That's not how our everything works. And if you rush a process, it's not going to be good. It's going to be bad. Stuff's going to get missed or it's going to go wrong or it won't be thought of until later. Yeah. And I tell clients, like if there's, if it turns out the one chair went on back order, like I have a project that I'll install this week. And that's the case that one chair and a buffet is on back order. It looks like it'll be coming in the middle of September, but the sectionals in like all this big stuff they've been waiting for that we can okay. install it without the rugs. in. like, we're just, I'm, I tell them that I will get them stuff so they can use it, not one by one, but if it makes sense to get a big chunk installed before everything is in, then I'll do it. Like, I'm not going to hold back the full install because one side chair is missing. Yeah. I like that idea. Like, especially now, we have to just be flexible. So if they could do partial installations or things like that. That's just the flexibility of our business, but it doesn't necessarily change like the original proposal too much unless it's like, well, yeah, there's going to be more time to install everything. And if they're not okay with that cost, there's a trade-off. Like I originally estimated a single install day, which is cheaper, 
But if we're going to break it up into several installs, it will cost more because we have to pay for the crew to come out and install it another time. So that'll add You're to your hours. You're not paying for extra warehousing time. So it kind of can you may, come out in the wash. It may. It may. Yeah. Just depending on like how many guys and all of that. And that's where I think when you go to the proposal, it's easier to say this is something separate from proposals, but I think it's helpful to show clients a past project budget of what mm -hmm. should you set aside for these costs. And that I don't include in my proposal because my proposal is built around my design time and my fees, but it's not specific to here's everything going into your room. Like that's a whole separate, to me, that's a totally different episode of like presenting to a client proposals for actual furnishings. And then how does this fit into the budget that they set? You know, if they said our budget for this room is $15,000, here's how we break down that budget and break it into components of how much are we setting aside for tax, for installation and delivery, for receiving warehouse, for right. all of that. That's a separate proposal. That's a separate plan for the room. Yeah, I kind of, one of the wish list items that I have is to work on a good, better, best, like cost worksheet for furniture so clients can because a lot of time, almost every time, they don't know how much to budget for furniture. So that right. here's good, better, best. Like I'm not putting Ikea pricing in here, but just so I know kind of what vendors to look at because of what they're going to feel comfortable with. Right. Because That's once the magic all, of what we do. Because once, and it's like the ad, like $50,000 for furniture. Well... Okay, here's your quality kind of mid-level sectional whatever that you want. Like there's 10. Yeah. Like you have a big room, you need a big rug, like there's a couple grand. Like once yeah. you start looking at it all at once, like it adds up really quick. And I want them to be able to kind of check their lane like oh no, we don't feel comfortable having a rug that costs more than $800, then okay, well <laughs> This is where you put us. Here's where you are. Let's, yeah. and then let me just know what's going to um, keep them comfortable in the process. And maybe they jump categories depending on the piece. Like I have clients like that, like they don't care about rugs or they worry about rugs, but they want a really good sofa that's going to last for a really long time. Right. So you're okay recommending something that's maybe not going to be a forever rug in the home, knowing that they're aware of it. They know where the price is going to trade off. And yeah, I'm just, you know, kind of trying to keep them happy. Although like it's not going to be the best rug ever and it's not going to feel that wonderful, that's, but you have little kids. So I get it. Like that's the reality of design though. And that's what's get that's what gets left out in the like dream world that we're sold on Instagram and on TV and everything else is those are real life trade-offs that we make with our clients. And those are like the true, you need to be working with a professional who understands what the risks are, what the benefits are, and clients can make an informed decision about it. Um, I think in your proposal, what are you, 
what don't you like about it though? What, what's like a, what are your hangups or what are the things that you wish it had that it doesn't? Oh, and then I didn't finish, but yeah, then I have a fee estimate like you of like my estimate of how many hours it's going to take through phase one. And then I have a payment schedule and they can accept the proposal in Dubsado. And then it also right. links a tab to the, my contract letter of agreement that has all of the actual like legal side of it. So, and an invoice as well as in there so they can pay my deposit or whatever I ask. Okay. Which is nice. So, my process doesn't have that. So to me, that sounds lovely. It's nice because they can just do it. Like they can just decide, I'm tired of this room. We're just doing it. So, right. um, and just within my process overall, once they accept, pay the deposit for my design time and then sign the contract, then they're done with, I, we leave Dipsado basically. So it's like, I okay. leave Dipsado at point of conversion to a project. Okay. And then I manage so, it elsewhere. I like that because my process doesn't, like what I don't like about my proposal in like PDF then into like, um, DocuSign is that after that, I was then sending a contract in DocuSign. Like they were like, yep, we like your proposal. Then I would like have to go in and send them my contract in DocuSign. And then I'd have to go into Ivy to collect their retainer. Mm -hmm. It's not awful. It's just really cumbersome. And it depends on me jumping in at every step. So I don't love the breakdowns in the process of where it might be one or two days before I can get their contract into DocuSign. It might be another couple of days before I get the retainer request into Ivy. I don't want that. I want business to come in quickly. I want them. We want to the remove books barriers I, for selling. Like you want them to just kind of just feel like okay that's it we're doing it and then it's amazing because right. i get a i get these emails from Dubsado. so and so has approved your contract so and so has paid your invoice yes i mean and then they're like at they're night. booked yeah and then, and then it's on. it's in and you're like great i'm starting that project like we're we're going and, and i can if even you're not like starting right away it's done and i can even i don't have this part of my workflow set up but i could then once they sign, I could have things start flowing to them automatically. So if I had some next steps kind of documentation, like, or email even. Oh, uh, yeah. You I mean, can automate all of that thank you, But I can all. automate, yes, a little bit more handholding of like, or schedule appointment for measurements or whatever. Um, okay. So what I don't like about it is... Well, visually, it's just clunky right now. It's like a super scroll form of a website. So like I was saying, like I want it, I want to have some of the um, reference material, something that they can jump into in their portal um, and or linked. I... I also really want to FAQ to really like start building that. Um, 
because I think a lot of clients end up having the same kinds of questions. Girl, you need an investment guide. I know. (laughs) That's what what you really need because then it sounds like Dubsado is going to get really full of stuff like that. There's a lot of example projects. There's a lot of documents and a lot of reference material. And so I really would, in my mind, I'm hearing like all those together as like one attachment with like FAQs and reference materials and like pages that explain process and stuff. And then separately from that is a whole packaged set that has an example of everything from a project of like, here's a mood board example. Here's Mm -hmm. a presentation board example. Here's a proposal for furnishing purchase example. So you know what one looks like. Here's a elevations example. Like, and I haven't decided. Yeah. And I think like an investment guide to send early on would be wonderful. And then, but I also want as their, cause they could read that two weeks ago and be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but you now want to push them back actually, to it. Yeah. So get, and that may be like just a static page on my website that they can access once they have a proposal that they can just link into certain things while they're reading it and trying to understand because they're not going to remember to go back or I don't know. I need to figure it out. So what's the easiest thing for me to just update it like in one place too. So like a template that can then be fed onto other projects in the future faster. Well, or if I update my investment guide or imagery, I'm not doing it in three places, but yeah. Yeah. I like, I like that idea of how Dubsado can have everything in a row from here's my proposal. If you like it, you agree. Then it goes right to the contract. You sign it and then it goes right to collecting the retainer. Um, This is probably a separate portion of future process parties, but I, I do see a lot of designers struggling with making sure they have enough set aside to cover things because problems come up later. Clients don't want to pay for things, all of that. Anything can happen, but I collect 25% of my design fees up front as a retainer. And it's in my contract that that retainer balance is applied to the final invoice. So if by chance their final invoice is less than that, then they get a refund. No one has ever had a refund from me because there's always more. Um, And I just, I don't know. I have had other designers tell me that they will request another retainer if the scope increases significantly. I think that's smart. If it is really going to exponentially become a larger project, I think that's smart to get more money up front to reserve for yourself so you know that you're paid up to a certain point. Yeah, if there's like a big chunk of planning you you need to do and right. Want to and make I did sure. that I did that with a recent project that I'm still working on where we started out with just a ensuite bathroom and then we expanded to kitchen and then living room and I requested a larger retainer to be applied when the kitchen became part of this scope because that was a big room with a lot of hours and it's not so much that I don't trust the client to pay my invoices, but I want them to have skin in the game and I want them to know that there's a cost associated. It just reinforces the proposal of, great, you want to add the kitchen. I think it's going to be this many more hours. 
And here you're going to pay up front for some of those hours. It's not just free work. Well, yeah, and it's a big chunk of your time. So it's like one thing if you're billing for a few site visits post, you know, visit, but yeah. if you just invested 10 to 15 hours in a new kitchen design and then they decide, and mm-hmm. um, we're just going to go with our contractor's yeah. ideas, like, no. Right. I think retainer is one of those huge things that it, it's, it, it feels weird for a lot of des- younger designers or newer designers, I should say, asking for money before you've done anything. But it's done for sometimes CPAs if they're going to be ha- handling something like you being audited or they're going to be doing something big. Attorneys do it. It's not uncommon in professional industries where you're going to be doing work right away to ask for a retainer and or a deposit up front for the services you're going to provide. If clients aren't comfortable with that, you have to wonder what they're going to feel like when they get the first invoice. Well, yeah, because I also don't want it to seem like they're rewarding me for work that they like. <laughs> like right. I mean, I've never we'll run into this We'll pay you because this presentation is good. <laughs> but if it's not good, we're not, not going to pay you. Like, no. 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 So I... I have mine at, um, it's kind of a moving percentage, but I'm only estimating my design time up until presentation. So it's not a ton of time anyway. So sometimes it's a hundred percent. Sometimes it's like 60. I want to just have my time covered mostly for like my concept. Right. Like, and that's and if they want to from... go execute somewhere else or by themselves, then I'm covered. Right. And I think that's where like for e-design, for example, I collect all of it up front because I'm going to, the, the pres- like much. I'm bringing you back all of it when I do that. So I do have to worry that you could just take this e-design presentation that I give over Zoom or wherever, and then you're gone. And then you choose not to pay me. It's like, no, 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 no. Like I want a hundred percent upfront, all paid, done, and it's all in my pocket. And then that way they have some incentive to stay involved and not just dash away from the process. Exactly. Um, And no one has ever balked at it. I've never, honestly, I've never had anyone, which is why when I look in some of the Facebook groups and I see some other designers have struggled with it, I think it's just about saying, this is the process. This, it's, yeah. that's not a negotiable point of your process of you just, that's what we pay. If you want to work with me, you're going to have to pay up front. I don't work, you know, off of like breadcrumbs every week. Yeah. And I think that's some of the value of using a system because it feels official from the receiving end. Um, yeah. So like Dipsado also not has arbitrary. Like, no, and they have, like, Dubsado, you, when you write your invoice, you add in payment schedules, so you can do it by percentage or dollar amount and have the date be, like, a firm date or, like, after contract, so, like, I'll have mine, like, 75% due at, after contract is signed, and so they get, then it starts, like, sending them invoice reminders. Right. Once they sign the contract. Um, and you don't start work until it's paid. Basically. Yeah, no, usually not. Unless it's like 
a specific reason with a client that I really know, but yeah, I'm only saying otherwise, that I'm doing that right now. But otherwise you have something to go back to of go, well, I haven't started anything because you haven't paid yet. Like, great, you signed the contract, but you haven't paid my retainer balance. So I'll get started on sourcing your new living room furniture as soon as you paid to have me start doing that. Yeah, and I haven't really run into that. Like once in a while I'll have um, someone want to like just change the number for, I don't know, like a budget reason or... Okay. It's usually I'll adjust the scope too if they're trying to make it less. Um, yeah. Take take some service away if the number is what scares them. What are you not going to do so you're not yeah. basically doing something for free? Yes. So I I would like to try to start in Dubsado because I'm not hearing you say anything that sounds really terrible about it other than like it needs to be from your perspective you need to beef up what's there yeah it's mostly easier to work with i think it's like i can make a nicer user experience out of it the content is all fine dubsado is a great tool i mean i'm only scratching the surface with it and i've been using it for a couple years um yeah it's like i have enough plugged in where it's like really helpful in those early stages of um, getting a client project kicked off or even I use it for my um, consultation only clients. Like they go in there and get their questionnaire from there. Yeah. I would like to make it feel more warm and fuzzy versus just like, here's a bunch of documents. And that's kind of how my process feels. I have heard other designers, so listeners, for you, we're, this isn't the only way it can be done. I've heard other designers who request a meeting to present the proposal, which I am not sure I'm completely on board with, but I can see the benefit of like really being able to sell your value and what comes with it and talk through questions. And... I've thought of, I have personally thought about for some larger scope of work proposals that go out for a project about recording a Zoom session or presenting it over Zoom. Mm-hmm. If I really feel like that's a project where it's going to be worth my time, because I don't charge to create and send out proposals. No. So it really has to be a project that, that I kind of want to land really big, but if it's like a a set, like I've done exterior paint color consultation, that's a really set, like set it and forget it type of, here's our scope, our timeline, here's everything that's included and not, but it's not turning into a full home remodel. If you were gonna have me involved in a full home remodel, I really like that idea. I might come in person or we might do a Zoom session where I share screen and go through what to expect and cover any questions if I really felt like that was something I wanted to be involved in, I'm okay investing more time. Sure. Cause that's a huge investment on their part. Like, right. Yeah. Like hand me, hand me tens and tens of thousands of dollars many times over. And just here's like an electronic document. Like, yeah, here's a word doc. Yeah. Sign here's it. a word doc. Click, click here and sign it. And then yeah. Pay me thousands upon thousands of dollars for my retainer without ever seeing, hearing from me. And I like, I feel like the conversion into a project would start to dive off. So when I have had larger 
remodels. And even when like this project I'm working on expanded scope, I got on a call with the client after I said, I'm going to send you an email. Let's get on a call this afternoon after you've seen it. And then we talked about it, but it, I gave them some time to digest what they were looking at to add mm -hmm. on essentially a whole other project to it. Um, and being that they had gone through the process for the previous part of they had seen another proposal, they had seen another contract. We weren't signing a contract again, but we were going to go through a new proposal and collect a larger retainer. And I wanted to make sure they understood what they were getting with that. Yeah, that's also the nice thing about um, Dubsado, just side note, hashtag mm -hmm. not sponsored. There's <laughs> not a- spawn. Uh, um, in the form templates, there is, there's contract, they all operate a little bit differently in their system. So like proposals are different than a questionnaire or a contract, but there's also a sub agreement, which you can add to a project and it's, they call it a legally binding amendment to the main contract of the job, which is nice. That's a good, that's a helpful like legal doc to have as part of it. I, in my contract, refer to what types of things can amend or supplement to the contract, like adding to scope. And it, for me, it's as simple as um, in the contract, it describes me or the client initiating a request to change in scope, what it involves, and then basically both parties replying that they agree or consent. Mm -hmm. So that, I mean, because Just an email then it. becomes, yeah, it's like a cover your ass, a CYA thing where... I want to make sure that somewhere there's an agreement, like the client is asking for it and I'm agreeing to do the work because I have the option of saying no if mm -hmm. I don't have the space to add it. But also on the opposite side of that, I'm telling them, I think this is going to involve X more hours and them saying, yes, we're okay with doing that. And that's just helpful from a standpoint of avoiding the problem that down the road, I don't want them saying, I didn't realize that adding on this kitchen was going to be, you know, 25 billable hours. <laughs> I didn't realize it was going to be so much more time. I just thought it would be quick because you're already here. And it's like, well, no. And hence why we justify your invoices being higher. Like, yeah, of course there's, you know, 25 more billable hours. I proposed 25 more billable hours. So now you're paying for them. Yeah. The efficiencies maybe with the contractor, but yeah, my time is yeah. still my time. Exactly. So I would like to change how mine is broken up into several like separate steps from like a PDF to another PDF to something coming from a different program because two things in DocuSign and then something in Ivy is just bulky and bothers me. And I like how Dubsado makes it seem like, okay, this is all one thing. It's all together. It's easy to navigate. They can go back and reference it in their portal. So like, again, yeah. like you get your portal really like preloaded with any documents you want in there. Plus also there, you can email through it. So you can, they can also see like all of that. I think that's helpful. I don't like, I don't want to continue to manage multiple steps and processes and I don't want to be the reason why something slows down and that's what happens now is mm -hmm. all right I need time to Especially create paid. yeah like I need time to create the proposal which is supposed to be very thoughtful because I want it to be as accurate as possible but then I don't want it to be waiting on me to upload a pdf into DocuSign and get it back and then 
like then they have to get another one from me with my contract and then another thing with getting paid. That's just so stupid. <laughs> like, I hate that. Yeah. yeah. I want to be savvier than that. I know that that also could be a huge step. Like some of you are like, oh, this is awesome. I don't even send a proposal. Like, or I don't even have a contract. If Okay, first off, change that. <laughs> just stop. Hashtag just Let's- stop. Welcome to our episode with contracts for creatives. Yes, exactly. I mean, you've got to go back to what what do we do to make our lives easier, better, avoid problems, and and secure ourselves financially and otherwise is, yeah, you've got to propose something, even if it's not as complex as all this. Put something in front of your client to make sure they're on board, they know what to expect, and then make sure they sign the contract. But I just want to make it so easy to work with me that they couldn't imagine working with someone else. And I want it to put an image forward of my professionalism. And I think that that's where systems, steps, and processes really make it look like you've got your act together. Even if behind the scenes, sometimes you're like us, where we're talking through it going, we don't have our act together sometimes from a client's perspective, which is what matters most, you do. Yeah. And I like using systems like this because clients can use them on their own timeframe. I mean, most of my contracts get signed at night. Like Mm -hmm. it's clear, like they're coming together with their partner and talking about it and making the decision. Yeah. So to like reduce that lag time, like you're saying, when they get the sign off agreement from their partner that they're both, that they're going to do this, like, let's just remove all roadblocks. Yeah. Let's approve the proposal. Let's sign the contract. Let's pay for it. And then they wake up the next day and they're like getting this thank you email, which could also be pre set of like, I can't wait to start your project is like, wow, how exciting. Like that's the fun of bringing someone on to help you with your problem is, Oh my God, we picked someone who's going to help us. It's going to be amazing. We're getting We're gonna, started. It's going to happen. Yes. Yeah. So Dubsado is just one tool for this type of um, contract booking. I obviously really like it. They um, have a really nice um, trial and they ho- they're very helpful. So if you want to try it, you can use Studio Plum's affiliate code. Put it in the show notes. Put it in. I think it um, gives you a free trial set. Like I, it lets you send like up to three or something in without having to like commit to an ongoing plan to use it. Yeah. But don't they, quote me. So I'm pretty sure you get a, they have a pretty good free trial and they have a really nice Facebook group and the, yeah. I mean the chat, if you ask them a question in chat, like somebody will respond to you and seconds yeah i think that's just all about i know it costs money to make money but the the easier we can make it on our clients that's why we keep talking about systems so much is what you know if it's acuity for your standalone appointments if it's dubsado for your ongoing projects if it's you know whatever it is it's let something do the heavy lifting because you shouldn't have to be inventing everything from scratch someone else has already done it especially in the sales portion of the job. So if this gets someone to pay you faster and or ever, it's worth the 35 (laughs) bucks a month. 
get it paid for pretty quickly when you convert a project. Definitely. Definitely. I, I don't hate the process of like mine going through each of these steps to have to do it. I'm still glad that there are definitive steps. I think if anything you take away from this is I need to have a proposal. I need to have a contract or maybe you call it a letter of agreement and I need to have a payment platform that's linked like right away. It's okay if they're not all as organized in something like Dubsado, but if you're moving forward, it's you, there've got to be those clear three steps of starting a project. Yeah. And I will say Dubsado is not going to do anything for you if you don't know what your process actually is. So get your sticky notes out, start mapping the process. And then like Sean, if you did want to go to Dubsado, like you now have an easy system to convert over to that platform. Right. You know what's going to go on it. So you still Correct. need content. You still need to know what your client workflow is going to be. You so need a contract the, to copy into contract. it. Like, <laughs> Yeah. And that's all the heavy lifting part. And that's honestly the hard part. So do that work before you start paying for a program, probably. But I mean, we're just I saying. started pretty basic. Like I've updated my proposal. Yeah. 15 times, like I improved again, <laughs> ABI. I have no problem with like, just get it out there and then constantly edit, improve. At and least, like sell it. No one is saying that it's going to be perfect, but let your clients have a really solid process. I love having, what I do love about what we both do is that proposals are not, like I want people to leave a consult with me early in a project where they feel excited. They're happy. I leave the meeting and I tell them I need X amount of time, which depends on how busy you are. But if it's like, Hey, in the next week, I'm going to be sending you a proposal. Um, you're going to see an email from me. And then it gives them something exciting to look forward to. I really don't like talking about all the stuff that's in a proposal during like the fun, exciting part of a consult and thinking mm -hmm. about starting a project. I want to leave them on that high note after the consult. And it doesn't, it, it kind of kills the mood a little bit to, to like bring up what's yeah, going to be in the to proposal. Want the second date and like kind of look back at how magical like the don't first give date them, was. Yeah. Don't give <laughs> them all your baggage on the first date. Exactly. Don't tell <laughs> them about all like the annoying things you're going <laughs> to do. Bad habits you have and how awful your family is or something like save some of that <laughs> for the proposal. Don't kill the magic while it's still like percolating. Yeah. For yes. Sure. So this is a good place to start for, um, actionable steps that you can take to make converting clients from those consultations into a project and getting them started. Yeah, I think that hopefully is helpful. Was this like a super painful episode, Rebecca, for you? <laughs> I wrote a lot of notes of like, improve, but if improve. You, but that's where we're at. It's like, let's get better. Let's press ourselves to like keep doing more, keep adding more because no, this should not be stagnant. There's no way you no. start with this today. And in 10 years from now, it's the same. It's constantly about changing, enhancing, getting better. 
and that's what we see in our design work. So why should our businesses not be getting better? Yeah, I think I like, I kind of see my process as this big wheel that I just kind of like keep improving around and I'm like, Oh, I think I know I should do something with the proposals, but first I got to like fix this part of it. Still, I can't go back and jump around. Like I, so everything I'm like, just going to keep doing passes on, but like, yeah, I want to keep moving on the things that haven't gotten a pass <laughs> update. I love that idea. I think it's yeah. super smart to just slowly keep coming back to things, enhancing them, adding new handouts, adding new reference materials, adding frequently asked questions. Mm -hmm. um, I'm stoked. This was a good process party. Ooh, ooh. <laughs> yeah. Pew, 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 pew. Cause I do need to make some changes. So this for me is like the, I know what I don't like. I know where it's not working. I know what I do like and what I would want to carry over into some new platforms so I'm going to give Dubsado a try. Do it. Just do it. Thanks, Rebecca. Hey, thanks. I think that's a wrap on episode 18. We did it. Thanks, y'all. Thanks, everyone. Have a great week. See you later. Bye. Thanks for joining this meeting of the Hot Young Designers Club podcast. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Check out the show notes there for links to things we talked about today. We are keeping the conversation going on Instagram, so don't forget to like, comment, and follow at Hot Young Designers Club. You can find Rebecca on Instagram at Studio Plum. And you can find Sean at Renstead Interiors. That's W-R-E-N-S-T-E-D. Shan shares by the she shore. Shan shows, she shows down by the she shore. <laughs>